Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero and Sean Starr. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Marinero, Sean Starr, yet another edition of the Sick Podcast. 15 weeks of NFL football are in the books. You can follow us on all social media handles. And of course, check out our Instagram page at the Sick Podcast and check out our Facebook page. Like it and share it with your friends. Sean, how you doing, bud? I'm good. How'd you do against the spread uh, in our five picks? Let me ask you this. Was uh, Kansas City versus the Saints a three spread? Two and a half. So I covered, so I went three and two. Nice. So three you got me. I owe you th- I owe you three cannolis. I went two, two, and one. Yeah. Uh, with the Packers. Again, I mean, that's the thing. You know, you watch these good teams, you watch these potent offensive teams, and yeah. they just go dry sometimes, these stretches of ineptitude. And even Aaron Rodgers called out the Packers after even though they won, they won the game by eight points. Look, I mean, they, yeah. it wasn't a sweat, but I think they expected a little bit more. I like how Aaron Rodgers holds his guys accountable, even though they won by more than a touchdown. Yeah, I think I said to you in our last conversation, the last episode, that I know they'll win for a touchdown for sure, but I'm a little bit worried about eight and a half. And wouldn't you know what half point was the difference? I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of felt for you, bud. Oh, it's brutal, man. I mean, that was a brutal week. Forget about me. Forget about what about, you know, two 14-point underdogs won the game outright. I don't know what's more surprising that, Two 14-point underdogs won their games outright on yeah. uh, on uh, on Sunday or on Monday Night Football, or the fact that um, it's the fourth time that's happened in the Super Bowl era that two 14-point underdogs won their games outright. I'm, I was kind of surprised that it's happened that often in the Super Bowl era, but uh, that's what we watched on uh, Week 15, Tony. And you had the Indianapolis Colts who won by seven. I believe that was your push, correct? Yeah, exactly. Another team, again, you know, like, you know, got to give credit, even though it's week 15, uh, you think about these sloppy second teams, man, they go out there, they they play for pride. We'll talk about a team that played for pride and maybe uh, did the disservice to their fan base in a second. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we often forget, you know, it's there's another NFL team on the field, too, you know, and these guys want respect and they play for pride, too. All right. Okay. So, you know, let's start with one of the upsets, and that was the Jets over the Rams. For one of the worst in the league this year, as Darnold gets it out quickly, there's Johnson again. Johnson at the five, working his way towards the goal line. That's a touchdown. And the New York Jets have scored on their eighth straight opening drive. Wow. Nobody expected the Jets to win by three uh, when they were up on them at halftime. Even a lot of people were saying there's no way that the Rams don't come back to beat the Jets because, of course, the Jets. They're just not very good, uh, and they're not even very good at tanking or screwing up and going for Trevor Lawrence. But, Sean, we know the way this is. I mean, players don't think about tanking. Players have pride. Players play for contracts. Players play for pride. Players play to win. Players want to win. It's probably management that's hoping that they're going to lose the game, but they didn't know how to do that as they beat the Rams. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I think, you know, I think there's probably a good portion of Jets fans that are surprised that nobody called down to the field and said, you know, start putting in the fourth or fifth stringers here. What the hell are you doing? You're winning a football game when you have the likeliness, the best shot of any other team in the league at drafting what appears to be, Tony, a generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. And lo and behold, they blow it. They go to L.A. And for me, that was the worst loss of them all. You know, we'll talk about Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and everything else, but. 
you're talking about an East Coast team, Tony, that travels to the left coast to play the Rams, a team that's playing for the division, a team that's a top three seed in their conference, and the Rams and Jared Goff completely lay an egg against an 0-13 team against the New York Jets. I mean, that was the worst loss I've seen all season long. And I get it. And your your point's well made. Yeah. You know, you know, guys on the team don't care about draft picks. Guys on the team aren't going to be there three years from now when Trevor Lawrence hopefully hits his prime. What the hell do they care about Trevor Lawrence joining the team? There's no loyalty. Loyalty is the biggest losing proposition in the history of sports. And what happened? They go and they win a game. I mean, I'll give them, I'll give them props. But ultimately, I mean, this is embarrassing. This is embarrassing yeah. for the LA Rams. So one in thirteen now for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. The Jaguars who hold the worst record in the National Football League over the Jets. And you know what? For me, it would be so fitting to 50, 50 years of, of failure where, I mean, I know that they were good for about six or seven years in, in, in 2007, 8, 9, 10, or whatever it was, the Jets. But for me, it's 50 years of failure when you don't get it done. It would be so fitting that they don't get the first pick and Trevor Lawrence does go somewhere else and Trevor Lawrence goes on to be a star. I mean, it would just be so fitting with the list of failures. And by the way, if the Jets would finish last overall and they would get the number one pick, chances are they would screw up Trevor Lawrence the way they've screwed up so many other quarterbacks and so many other draft picks in the past. It's probably the best thing in the world that can happen to Trevor Lawrence that he doesn't go to the New York Jets. Now, speaking of upsets, you talked about the other one. I have to tell you, yeah, I didn't think Cincinnati was going to win this game outright. Minnow. Come on. But I didn't think, I really didn't, I wasn't comfortable with Pittsburgh being a double-digit favorite after losing their last two games prior to this one, a quarterback questioning himself, a fan base and media coverage who covers the team talking about whether or not this quarterback got old in the last two weeks and whether or not he should consider retirement, leading the league in drop balls, receivers not being able to come down with the ball anymore, I wasn't comfortable with the double digits, especially a Monday night game, a divisional game, and in Cincinnati, I was very comfortable with my pick, but I have to tell you, I am shocked that the Bengals beat the Steelers by 10. Well, I hope you're shocked. Nobody saw that coming. I mean, I mean, good grief. I mean, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were 14 and a half point favorites by the time that game closed. And, you know, yeah. for the reasons they lost the two games in six days, that was not the reason they lost that football game yesterday. They didn't lose the game because Johnson and Claypool and, and everybody else was dropping balls. I mean, Mike Tomlin actually ran Benny Snell more than I thought he would. It wasn't a case of dropsies for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was a case of Ben Roethlisberger and his dead arm. He had the worst half of football. Yeah. In a 17-year pro career, guy had seven goddamn yards in the first half of the football game yesterday. I mean, I got three turnovers, two first downs in the first half. I don't care who you're playing. You've been playing the, the, the LaSalle Cougars here, yeah. and you're going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're going to put up a strong first-half performance like that. I mean, that was, again, to borrow a, a word I used to describe the LA Rams, that was an embarrassment. That was embarrassing for Mike Tomlin. That was embarrassing for Ben Roethlisberger. You know, seeing what he's what he was incapable of doing is a drastic, a drastic red flag for this team going into the playoffs. Look, they're going to go to the playoffs. They're eleven and three. They're on a three-game losing streak, and now they're the third seed in the AFC because they blew that game on the road uh, in Cincinnati. Granted, a divisional game, and every time these two teams play, it is it's usually a nasty affair. But Pittsburgh was eleven and zero against Cincinnati up until a Monday Night Football, and boom, they get smacked in the mouth. And once you know, once the playoffs begin, Tony, we have two regular season games to go, and then the playoffs start. And it won't be close. 
the Pittsburgh Steelers are the worst playoff team by a country mile when the playoffs begin. Yeah, uh, you know, they're going downhill and fast. And Juju Smith-Schuster trending on Twitter because before the game, he goes out and he does the Juju dance on the logo of the Cincinnati Bengals. He gets rocked in the game by Von Bell, leads to a fumble, and a lot of people are saying he shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know. Do you care? I mean, do I care? I don't I don't care. Yeah. I find it to be um, – when I look around, right, and yeah. I went through the usual suspects of, of, of media outlets that I like to follow. They provide good content, so on and so forth, and I'll name a bunch of them here. Uh, on ESPN, there's Get Up, there's First Take. You can over, get over to uh, Skip Bayless, uh, who's got an opinion on everything with Shannon Sharp. You can head over to uh, Barstool Sports. And uh, nobody, uh, nobody from those outlets was talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. I understand that it was a trending topic on Twitter. You know, you have Bengal fans whining about it. You have Pittsburgh Steelers fans whining about it. I understand why it would be a trending topic. To me, it's idiotic. To me, it's it's gimmicky. To me, it has no bearing whatsoever on mm -hmm. the game. Athletes look for any edge that they can hold on to if it gives them some sort of psychological one-up on their opposition. And I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on the logo. By the way, who is filming that video? Was it Ben Roethlisberger? I don't even know who is filming that video. So how many of these Steeler guys are, are in on this thing? To me, it's yeah. gimmicky. To me, it's nonsense. To me, it has no bearing. I, I can't even believe I'm wasting my time talking about this right. stupidity. I, I, I think it's kind of funny, to tell you the truth. And anything that will have people talking about anything in sports, I think is good. Personally, if I was him, I would stop doing it because some guys are going to take it personally. And I'm sure that when they clock him, they're probably going to try and clock him a little bit harder. Pressure from the Bengals. Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster is blown up. Let me ask you something. I don't know. When, I don't when did he start, Tony? When did he start doing this? Three weeks ago? Or yeah. did he start doing it in week one? When did he start doing it? I, I don't really know to tell you. He truth. started doing honest. it in week one. He started doing it when TikTok took over the world and everyone was yeah. talking about it. But we're only making a big deal because the Steelers are on a three-game losing streak. He was doing it before. So how come it didn't motivate the other teams that lost to the Steelers when they were all 0-11 when Juju was dancing all over their stupid logo. But we choose to make it a big deal now because the Steelers are losing. So obviously it has to be an issue. It has to be an issue. No, it doesn't. It's stupid is what it is. All right. Okay. So anyway, I think he's made himself a target and his team a target. I got Sean McDermott as coach of the year. Woo. That's a good call. I love that call for the Buffalo Bills and everything they've done. I think yeah. if you're a Bills fan, uh, to see management locked up, you know, when we had uh, Ian Rappaport on this podcast a few weeks ago, uh, we had the news uh, that management uh, at the front office on the field had all been locked in securely. So now the foundation for winning, I think, is is locked in in Buffalo. But for me, uh, if I had a vote for coach of the year, it's going to go to a team that's already put up a double digit win total on their record and they still have two games to go. And they've lost four times. He's a rookie head coach, Tony. He calls all of his own offensive plays. No offseason, no preseason to deal with. 13 years of misery with no winning record. They haven't been in the playoffs in 18 years. They're probably going to get there. They should get there. The coach of the year for me is Cleveland Browns' Kevin Stefanski. Unbelievable resume, what this guy's been able to do. Everything that I just outlined, I haven't even talked about dealing with Odell Beckham Jr., dealing with Baker Mayfield, dealing with injuries, dealing with the running game and trying to establish that with Nick Chubb. 
This guy has been unbelievable in his rookie season. That, my friend, is your coach of the year for me. Yeah, listen, I don't mind the pick. Because to tell you the truth, uh, I was I was going between the two guys. It's either one or the other. I think Buffalo has scored 39 more points. I think they've conceded 34 less points. They have a record of 11 and three compared to 10 and four. But I get everything you're selling, and quite honestly, I really don't have a problem with it. Um, which loss do you think was worse? Getting back to the loss, the Steelers' loss or the Rams' loss? Oh God, for me, it's the Rams' loss. I mean, you lost to the Jets, you know. And let's let's remember here, you know, the the Steelers lost on the road to a division team. You know, a little bit of credit, division game, rivalry, yada yada yada. Even though, I mean, it's hard to have a rivalry when you're winless in your last eleven games against that supposed rival. But the New York Jets, Tony, traveled across the country and went to Los Angeles. And they beat the Rams, man. They beat the they smacked them in the mouth and kicked them yeah. in the nuts. That's what they did to them. That for me, even though even though the Bengals had themselves a, a, a third string quarterback yesterday, um, it still doesn't trump the New York Jets crisscrossing the country and putting an L on the LA Rams in what felt like kind of like a must win game for them to establish their dominance in the conference. What about you? Um, you know, I'd have to agree. I think that's the worst loss, losing at home the way they lost against the Jets team that hadn't won a game all year. I think that's the worst loss. Anyway, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait to the next week of football because uh, now it's uh, 15 weeks are in the books and yep. we look forward to week 16. Uh, what do you have circled? What do you have identified going into the week? Well, I'll tell you, the one thing I have circled moving forward is, um, you know, as much as we love what's going on in Kansas City, to me, the team everyone needs to be paying attention to in the AFC is the Tennessee Titans, uh, the most uh, potent offensive team in the league, averaging 31.1 points a game in the last 24 games. Did you know this? Ryan Tannehill has actually a better passer rating, more touchdowns, and a better completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes does. They've got Derrick Henry, who could rush for 2,000 yards, A.J. Brown. 1,000 yards receiving. They're going to have probably two guys in the receiving core with 1,000 yards this season. It's too bad their defense is stinky poo. But if everything goes right, and what Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry have done in their last 24 games, no one's talking a lot about Ryan Tannehill. His numbers are better than Patrick Mahomes. I think the team to watch out for at 12-1 to to win the Super Bowl, Tennessee Titans. That's what I'm looking at. I don't disagree with you because they're a team that could score 40 points with their eyes closed. All they have to do is try and limit some of the damage. Yes. And they're going to outscore almost no, listen, everybody. Listen, listen I, I'll take Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. But if you're looking for you're looking for value and a little a little shock, I yeah. don't think you'll find better value than Tennessee. I think I'm going to put a dollar or two on them. I'm going to go to my bookie uh, later on this afternoon and probably put a dollar or two on the Tennessee Titans to win the Super Bowl. Anyway, you are watching the Sick Podcast. He's Sean Starr. I'm Tony Marinero. You can follow us on all social media platforms including Instagram at The Sick Podcast and our Facebook page. Like it and share it. Until next time, it's The Sick Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next week. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.